0: Uh, July 1st was a day that changed my life forever. If you know me, July 1st of this past year was when I married my beautiful wife, Jacqueline. We can give a little shout out to Jacqueline. And marriage is great. One of the things that we did before we got married was... Uh, We did, you know, premarital counseling, which is just, you know, something most uh, Christian adults who are about to get married do. And, you know, they teach you a lot. They teach you how to handle your finances, um, you know, how to handle disagreements, how to raise a family one day. But one thing that they don't teach you is how to respond to this one question. I remember the first time I got asked this question uh, was actually just a few weeks after we had gotten engaged. We weren't even married yet. And I forget who it was, but they came up to me and they said, So like, are we thinking, you know, one year, maybe not even that, two years, Uh, three years maybe, maybe even four years, you know, some people want to wait. And I was like, are you talking about like till we get like married? Like, you know, I'm thinking like a year or something. Uh, No, they're like, no, until like you guys start having kids. And I'm like, we just got engaged. Like I'm trying to get a trial run in with like a dog and like, you know, do all of that. But no, they're jumping the gun, ready to know when we're starting to have kids. If I were to put a guest in, it's probably my mother. Uh, Who's asking when she's got got to hold some grandbabies? That's not happening anytime soon. I thought about pranking y'all and be like, "We're pregnant," but uh, I probably would have gotten in trouble for that one. But I'm not surprised that people uh, ask me this question, because for some reason, we always seem to be so excited and consumed with what's next. Have you ever noticed this in your life that? It's challenging to become content with where you're at. I think of the most obvious for me even right now is the seasons. Like fall is great, but man, those Christmas TikToks that you see with like all the decorations and the snow. And then you get to Christmas and you're like, oh, so this doesn't end at Christmas. Like we got snow until, you know, if you're in Springfield, feels like August uh, some years. For some reason we're so excited about what's next, we're never content with where we're at. And I, I find this in all of us. I find it that we're often excited about the next semester ending or when we get married, when we start a dating relationship, when we buy our first house or have our first child. There's so many things that we just get so excited about what's to come that we forget how God wants to use us where we're at. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight. If you've been with us for a few weeks, you know that we're going through a series in the book of Philippians. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians. Chapter 1, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 12 going to 14. It will also be on the Sky Bible. So if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be up there as well. But just to provide a little bit of context for what's happening in this passage, kind of why this book is even a thing, especially if, you know, you're new to church or just don't study the Bible often. This uh, book, which is really a letter written by a man named Paul... And what's really important is to understand a little bit of context of who Paul is. So a word that I would use to describe Paul is a traveler, okay? So a lot of what his job was as a Christian uh, was to travel around all of the world and plant churches, start um, new, you know, like I said, start new churches, uh, reach people with the gospel of Jesus. Like his job, his nine to five, was traveling the world. But in this passage, he's writing to one of the churches that he planted in Philippi, which is where you get Philippians from. What's interesting about this passage and really this whole book is that the same man who's known as a traveler is locked up in a prison cell. You can see how this would not be the most ideal season for Paul, right? He's known as the guy who travels around, yet he's locked up in a prison cell. And I don't think anybody would blame Paul here if he started to, you know, write the whole letter. Like, if this is just me, I'm writing the whole book on, like, yo, this sucks. Like, they only cater canes on Fridays. Like, the rest of the food is, like, awful here. But he doesn't write anything about how bad his experience was. What he writes is so powerful and so impactful if you are here today and you're saying, man, this season that I'm in, it's just not where I want to be. A recent study that was performed last year showed that young adults ages 18 to 24 are the least fulfilled and least satisfied age group in the country. Think about that. Our age and some of us older were the least fulfilled and least satisfied. And what I find interesting about that is most people talk their whole life about their 20s. Unless you're like the star quarterback in high school and like you're you're a high school guy, like that's who you are, you know. So how come for some reason the age of life that we're supposed to be having the best part of our life, this is us right now, for some reason we're looking for what's next. And so we're going to read in Philippians, like I said, chapter 1, if I can find it on my notes, uh, starting in verse 12, reading through. Look at that, man. Okay, pro presenter, like, can, we, can we applaud our production team? Like I'm like saying it, speaking it, it's like there, you know. It says this, this is God, or this isn't God. The other passage I'll read is God. This is Paul. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, everything, if you have your Bible, if you have it on the app, highlight this. Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Remember, this is Paul who's in prison, who is not like a nobody to the Roman government. Like, this would have been a high-level prisoner. He would have been beaten He would have been mocked, he would have been spit on, accused, and all we have that he wrote to sum it up was, and I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters, that everything here has helped to spread the good news. We're going to continue reading. (laughs) For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, Most of the believers here have gained confidence and now boldly speak God's message without fear. Tonight we're be talking about the subject from next to now. We're going to be talking about how we can find purpose and meaning in the season that we're in, even if it's a season that maybe we don't want to be in. And so if we look at this passage, if we look at Paul, again, he's not in the most ideal season of life like he he didn't write to the church in Philippi my dear brothers and sisters this is like y'all need to get over here like this is the best what he wrote about was how his imprisonment was helping to spread the good news where he was was not a great season he could have easily even written guys i can't wait to get out of here i can't wait for what i'm doing next if i was paul and i'm in prison and my passion is to plant churches and travel what I would be doing is thinking about, man, I can't wait for, you know, when I get out of prison and then I can do this and I can do that. And that might be some of you tonight. Not that you're getting out of prison, but that you're, I'm ready to be what's the next season of my life. That I'm ready to be graduated. That I'm ready to be dating. That I'm ready to be married. And we, we have this, this feeling in our heart that for some reason purpose is found in the next season. But purpose is found in God. And that's one of the things that we're going to learn Tonight, he could have easily written, this is Paul, about how terrible his life was in prison. Instead, he sums it up by just saying, and I want you to know. Paul here is not being oblivious to his season. He's not being like, yeah, you know, it's actually not that bad. He doesn't even talk about what happened. He sums it up to the Philippian audience and to us today saying, and I want you to know. You know what he wants you to know? That God is faithful. That God has been good to him, that God will deliver him through his season. That's all he says about where he's at. Paul used his present circumstance, even though it didn't look good, to bring purpose to where he was at, to bring life to where he was at. People changed because of where Paul was. How often are we in seasons of life where we're ready for what's next? Is that any of you here today? You don't have to raise your hand. But are you kind of sitting here and you're like, "Like God, I'm ready for the next thing because where I'm at is not like it's not it, you know. I know there's been seasons of my life where I'm like, what, what am I doing? God, where do you have me? Why am I going through this? Why can I get to this next? Maybe you're here and you're like, God, why, why have you not given me a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Why have you not given me the job that I want? Why are my friends betraying me? Why are they lying about me? You might be asking questions about the season that you're in. And this is exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about three practices that we can implement into our life to help us move from next to now. And I want to be clear before we get to that, that it's not necessarily a bad thing to be excited about what's next. Like, it's a good thing to be excited about what's coming in your life. Especially, you know, if you're, if you're someone, I remember when I was engaged, I was so excited for marriage. Like, that's not a bad thing. But where it can become a problem is whenever you start to neglect the things that are in your life now. Let's use an example. Let's use dating. You know, dating's a pretty popular thing, a big thing in our age group. Maybe you're here and you're so excited about the future relationship that you're going to have that you're starting to neglect the ones that you have now. Maybe you're so focused on being a good boyfriend, a good girlfriend, that you start to be a bad friend to the ones you have now. And again, that's just an example. There's so many things in life where we get distracted by what's ahead and aren't being used fully by God in the present. In this passage, we hear that God is calling us to use the time we have now and to make the most of it. Because if God can use a prison cell, he's going to use your life. If Paul was where he was and he found purpose, you can too. So how do we begin to shift our focus from next to now? One of the first practices that we're going to learn of the three, if you have notes, you can write this down. We're going to shift our focus, right? That's like obviously in the thing, how do we shift our focus? Well, the first thing we're going to do is shift our focus. So I have a question, more of a challenge for you tonight. And this only uh, is, this, you can only do this while you're here. You can't text me later and be like, hey, this is it. Give me the $100. But I'm going to give $100 to anybody here who can tell me on their drive to church how many speed limit signs they passed. Can anyone tell me how many speed limit signs they passed? Everyone's thinking, like, I don't know where those even are. Like, are they on the road or are they on my maps? Like, I don't even, I don't get how that works. Here's the reality. The speed limit signs They exist. Like, they're there. And I could even bet that while you drive to, you know, Chick-fil-A after this or if you're going home, you'll probably pay attention to the speed limit signs, wherever they are. I don't even know. Because it's not that they don't exist. It's just that they're not your focus. Because there's opportunities in the season that you're in now that are present that you don't see simply because they're not your focus. Are you living your life today having your eyes open for how God wants to use you? Are you in the career that you're in now and you're saying, Ryan, you know, I'm ready for, like, what's coming next after this? Instead, are you having your eyes open for the opportunities God wants to use you there? We have to shift our focus. And one thing to understand, too, is it's never a question of whether or not God is up to something, Or if God is working, or if he's moving, or if he's going to do something. I wanna look at a passage in Isaiah. This is where God's talking, okay? Let me clarify that. Isaiah 43, 19. This is God saying this For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, I will create rivers in the dry land. I love that passage. To know that God is up to something. Maybe you came here tonight and God wants you just to hear that, that He is moving in your life, that God is working in your life. It's never a matter of, you know, can I pray enough prayers for God to, you know, can I muster up enough prayers for God to get the energy to move in my life? It's never a question of if He's moving, when He's moving, or will He? God is moving. We just have to shift. We have to align our focus to what God is doing in our life. And one thing with that, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, what you're going to do in the future. God is always doing something new in your life. Maybe you're here and that's what you need to hear. Maybe you're here and you're experiencing a season of your life where you're saying, God, what is the point of keep just to keep doing this? Why do you have me here. I feel like my past is holding me back. I feel like I can't move on to who you're calling me to be. I want you to know God is doing something new in your life. God is up to something in your life. Will you have the eyes to see it? I love that the, the standard there is not God is up to something. He's already started it. Have you prayed for it? It's are your eyes open to see it? Do you see how God is moving. The second thing we're going to do tonight is we're going to trust our faith. Now let me clarify kind of what this this kind of sentence means, okay? What does it mean to, to trust our faith? If faith is trusting something, how do we trust what we trust? Like that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, does it necessarily? So I want to help unpack what this phrase means, to trust your faith. Your faith is less of a verb and more of a noun, okay? So what I mean by that is, Your faith is something that you have already put your trust in. So to trust your faith is to live life saying, I know God is real. I have a relationship with him. And because of that, I'm going to live my life with him. And based on what he has told me. I know for some of us, this is how our relationship with God works. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle, he's written a book about this called The Christian Atheist. This is how our relationship with God works for some of us. We would be categorized as a Christian atheist, which that kind of doesn't make any sense of of its own either. You know, how do you how are you a Christian and an atheist? What that means is that you believe in God, but you live as if He doesn't exist. Think about that. Is that some of you tonight? Where you would say, "Yeah, no, I believe in God. I'm at you know young adults every Tuesday. I show up ten minutes late, but like I believe in God. You know, like I'm a Christian. I do this stuff. I'm signing up for team track. Like I'm all in." But are you all in on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday? Does the rest of your life look like you have a relationship with God? Are you trusting in what God says? Because here's the thing. A lot of us could probably hear give tonight a date of when they accepted Christ or when they started a relationship with Jesus. And we would probably say, like, yeah, you know, on this day, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. But then we don't put our faith and trust in Jesus. And what I mean by that is when trials come, when storms come, when seasons come, when there's a decision to be made and we don't know what to do, is Jesus the first thing that we look to? Because you're always going to turn towards what turn towards what you trust. You're always going to look to who you trust. And so tonight, are you living out your faith? Does it, does it reach the rest of the days or is it just Tonight, I know some of you, this was me. Honestly, the Lord convicted of me this. I remember last year we were singing a song that you know was talking about, God, I need you more than the air I breathe. But I didn't feel like I needed him the rest of the day. I wasn't living like I needed Jesus, but the reality is I do. So the question for you tonight that I'm asking you is, do the songs that you sing on Tuesday, does the word of God that you hear on Tuesday or on Sunday... Does it reach the rest of your life? Are you living out your faith? And here's where this connects to what we're talking about tonight. Is I think some of us, for the reason why we're so preoccupied about what is next in our life, is because we don't trust anyone else to make it happen. We have this idea that we're the only ones that have an eye out for us. That our future that we desire, that we want, will never come unless we're making it happen. But the reality is Jesus has your best future In mind. He always has and he always will. And so, where this connects to what we're talking about tonight is it's when you, tonight, if you are in a season that you say, I I don't know if I want to be here right now. I don't know if this is the season of life that I'm enjoying most. I don't know if I'm living present. Part of where this connects is today, tonight, I'm going to say, You know what, God? I give the rest of my life to you. I trust you with my future. And that's easy to say. But that's where it comes out. Are you able to put your faith and trust in what you believe in? Do you trust in what you believe? Again, we convince ourselves that if we aren't thinking about what's best for us, that nobody is. But this isn't true. And here's the catch with this, is some of you may have, you know, a future that you desire that God may know is not what's best for you. Some of you are even here tonight and you're like, how how am I in church? You know what I mean? Like some of you are asking yourself that, like how did I get here? Because you realize that there were decisions that you had to make prior to this that you knew maybe it wasn't what you wanted to do, but God knew what was best for you. And there's the flip side of that too where it's, There's decisions and futures that you think that you really have a desire for, that God is God's up in heaven. He's thinking, I know that's not what's best for you. I know that's what you not what you don't need. I know that's been a season of my life where I look back and in the moment I'm like, God, why are you having me go through this? Why is this a season of life I'm in? Why did this happen to me? And then I look back and I say, That makes sense now. Y'all ever experienced that with God? We have to trust our faith. And this is something else too that really stood out to me in the passage is that if we have a future in mind that we would desire, it may not look the way that we want. Even if it's a desire that God has given you. I think of this was the case for Paul. Because Paul's desire in life was to be a preacher in Rome. He knew that if he could preach to Rome that millions would get saved as a result. And what's interesting about this passage is do you know where Paul was imprisoned? He was in Rome. He got pulled out and brought to Rome as a prisoner. But he thought he was going as a preacher. And so what I want to remind you of tonight is that the future that God has for you may not look the way that you want. But I, can't just, I can only imagine how Paul would feel when he sits in his prison cell and he realizes, God, this is where you had me all along. God, you have been so faithful to me. When we look back at this passage, when we look back at this story, we see God's faithfulness. We see how God has used him where he was. That needs to be us. It needs to be us. It needs to be us to where we are living a life fully in the moment so that way we can work for God. That way we can honor him. That way we can learn from him. So that's my question for you tonight. Are you living a life where you're so fully present that God is able to use you? Because I can tell you this, you don't want to be anywhere else. God has so much in store for you. God has so much planned. This is shaking over here. God has so much in store for his his followers that he wants you to live in the moment so that he can use you and that he can teach you. A result of this is our last point. It's maximizing the moment. When I look back in this passage, I'm going to read it again. Look at the result of Paul's faithfulness. Look at the result of Paul's obedience here. It wasn't that he was just like, you know, he was faithful and nothing happened. What do we read at the end or at the, towards the beginning of this passage? It says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And as a result, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. During Paul's time in prison, things changed because of him. Do things change around you because you're there? When you go to work, are people refreshed that you're there? Are people excited that you're there? Do you bring life To who you spend your time with. Because when we live fully in the moment. We live a life where we are maximizing the moments that we're in. We're making the most of it. I don't think Paul's desire or his ministry plan was to be in prison. Right? Like that wasn't what he wanted. But even though he was there. He still made the most of it. And that was a decision he had to make. It was a decision that he had to make. He couldn't just sit back. And let God, you know, do, I mean, God will work without us. But he, he wasn't just sitting back and saying like, yeah, you know, people will gain confidence because of me anyways, you know. He didn't say that. He said because of my chains, because of what I've been through, because of what I'm going through, people around me are different. And the season that you're like, the season of life that you're in, even if it's one that you don't want to be, even if you would say, man, this is a low season of my life. I want you to know God wants to use you There. God wants you to use you there. Imagine if Paul had decided to just sit around and hang out and do nothing about where he was at. There would be no prison guards who would hear about Jesus. Who Some of them converted to Christianity. There would be no confidence in the believers. He wouldn't have lived out his goal of preaching in Rome. But because he made the most of where he was, things changed and he changed. And God prepared him for what was next in his life. Paul's response to his circumstances teaches me a few things. One, it teaches me that God may not have given Paul his chains, but he used his chains. Paul didn't necessarily want them. And God, we don't know if he gave them to him. But whether or not he did or didn't, he used them. And there's some of you tonight who have things in your life that only you have. You are the only one who can bring Jesus to your friend group. If you are at work and none of your coworkers know Jesus, don't you know that you're the hope there? Don't you know that even if it's a season that you don't want to be in, God wants to use you. Some of you have maybe experienced things in life that feel like chains, that feel like they hold you back. That later become your testimony of how God was faithful and of how God used you. Paul may not have wanted his chains, and God may not have given Paul those chains, but he sure did use those chains. The second thing it teaches me is that when we're at a low, it's not the time to throw in the towel. When you're going through a hard season and all of us do, it's not time to give up. What would Paul have, what would the prison cell have looked like if Paul had had, had just given up? throwing in the towel, said, you know, it was a good run. I planted Philippi. You know, Corinth was cool. Uh, the church in Ephesus is crazy, but like, you know, they're, they're cool too. No, he said, it doesn't matter where I'm at or where I'm going. I'm going to be faithful to God where I'm at right now. I'm going to be faithful. But it wasn't that Paul was at a high. He wasn't writing this whole chapter, this whole book, at a moment in his life that was like, man, things are going great. When he was at a low, he encouraged us that God is faithful. Would that be your testimony of God tonight? That he is faithful to you? The third and last thing that this this passage teaches me is that there is purpose God wants to bring to everything that we go through. There's purpose in everything God does and there's purpose in everything that God touches. When God enters your life, he brings purpose to you. He brings meaning to you. I loved our, our theme verse for a conference this past year. That he has chosen us to declare his excellencies. I want you to know that if you are here tonight and you have a relationship with God, don't you know that you have a job to do? You have a purpose, you have a goal, which is to reach the world with the message of Jesus. Nothing is wasted with God. He uses everyone and everything. Some of you may be here tonight and the reason why you would say, you know, honestly, like I came into church and I was, you know, putting up a front and pretending like I was cool, but you know, Ryan, I'm not where I wanna be. Life's been hard. Things have been tough. Maybe the reason why you feel like there's no purpose where you're at is because you don't have a God that gives you purpose. Maybe you're here tonight and the first thing you can do to start living in the moment is to start a relationship with God. I talk to a lot of people who they'll say, you know, I believe in God. Like, you know, I did all of that. And, you know, when I was younger, I believe that God is real, but I'll give my life to him, you know, in my 30s or something when I'm raising kids and want to, you know, raise them well. I talk to a lot of people who are like, I believe in God, but just not right now. Maybe you're here tonight and that's you and the first thing you need to do is today decide, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. You know, that statistic I shared earlier that talked about how our generation is the least fulfilled and least satisfied. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're one of the the first truly post-Christian generations. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that our generation is not fulfilled. Our generation lacks purpose, lacks confidence, and we're also the generation that says we reject God. Some of you are living your life trying to find purpose and meaning in everything but Him. And so what I want to ask you tonight is would you give your life to Jesus? Would you surrender your desires and say, None of this el- nothing else has worked for me. God, I want to give you my life. You know, Jesus was a man who lived 2000 years ago, and he was God in the flesh. And we as humans have made mistakes. In the Bible, we call it sin. In the church, we call it sin. And the penalty for that sin is death. It's sickness, it's illness. But ultimately, it's eternal separation from God. But Jesus wasn't satisfied with that. He said, I'm not going to leave humanity where they're at. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to live a perfect life and pay the price for their sins. And so who is Jesus? Jesus is the man who lived 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for you and for me. And it's not something that we accept whenever we're, you know, cleaned up, when we're on our best behavior, on our best days we accept God, God says, I accept you as you are. Who you are, I accept you. I love you. Why did Jesus do this? Why did, why did God send his son to die on the cross? It wasn't to point out how bad we were. It wasn't to you know, pick you up and save you and say, yeah, like you're, yeah you were definitely not you know, living the best life, but aren't you thankful for me? He picked us up and saved us because he loves us. And for that, we are thankful. And so Jesus died on the cross, and three days later, he rose again to do two things. One, to prove that he was stronger than the grave, and two, to have a relationship with you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. This time, I'm gonna ask everyone to lower their heads, close their eyes, and if that's you and I'm who you're talking to, and you would say to yourself, you know, I don't have a relationship with God. I feel like my life lacks purpose. I feel like my life doesn't have meaning. If that's you, I want you to know God loves you. That God wants to give you purpose in your life. It doesn't mean that life's gonna be easy. It doesn't mean that these seasons are gone. But it means that you can go through these seasons with God. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And this prayer has nothing to do with the words that I say. All it has to do with is you believing and trusting in your heart. All it is is you changing your mind about who Jesus is, recognizing that he loves you, that he's your Savior, that he died for you. And it's you telling God, God, I believe it. And I want you to know that your life will never be fulfilled without God. You will live your whole life trying to fill your life up with things that don't matter. But Jesus can give you purpose tonight. And so in a moment, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna have a time of response where the band leads us in a song of worship and there's gonna be people up here who would love to pray with you. And let me encourage you, what did we talk about tonight? Living in the moment, don't wait. Don't wait for next week or for next year or for the next season of your life. If you want to accept Jesus, make the decision today. So I'm gonna pray, and if that's you, just repeat the words that I say. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for me and for rising again to save me. Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was you and you just accepted Christ, I wanna tell you, we would be nothing but thrilled to talk with you, to hear your story. And so you can come up in this time of response or after the service, you can visit our team at Next Steps and they would love to pray with you and love to hear your story and help you with what your relationship with God's gonna look like the rest of your life. But let me encourage you, if you're here and you're a believer, make the most of the moment that you're in. Live life today like God has given you purpose because he has. So what are we going to do? We're going to shift our focus. We're going to trust our faith. We're going to maximize the moment. I'm going to pray one more time. And our band's going to start leading. If that's you and you made a decision, or you just want to pray about uh, the season of life that you're in and you just need help and counseling, God, man, I pray that you would come to the front or talk to our team at Next Steps after the service. We would want to help with you. Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that even when it seems like there's no other way, God, you make a way. God, I'm thankful that tonight we can preach a message about how you love us and how you have saved us. God, I pray that you would give people boldness and confidence to come talk to people and that they would make a decision today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.